What if God had a plan for you that doesn't depend on what you've done or who you are up until now? What if God had a plan for you that never determined anything from this morning and before that? What if? What if by some miraculous reason your past doesn't dictate your future? How would you approach your life? I think some of us would look at our lives very differently, wouldn't we? We would probably look at it with a different set of lens. Because we often look at our lives and how it's going by how it's going. Right? Today's a good day. The other week, I, last week, I found a, like a $10, chip, a, $10, uh, a $10 bill in my pocket. I said, today's going to be a good day. <laughs> How many ever found a treasure like that in your pocket? You're like, oh, I haven't used these shorts in a long time or these jeans. I didn't even, I forgot these were here. And then you dig in there and there's a 5 a $10 bill or even, uh, you know, a, a, an Almond Joy or something. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and you think, that's a sign. Joy is in my future. And some almonds. <laughs> We're so superstitious, aren't we? We're so funny that way. Sometimes we look at life and we think that somehow the past dictates our future and that somehow how good I feel today will dictate how much God loves me. Friends, I'm here to tell you right now, you've been called by the Savior regardless of where you've been. Come on, I thought I'd get a few more amens in that. I'm going to work harder for six more amens by the end of, my, by the end of this sermon. Amen. Amen. Take record. Pastor Corey, you got four. Okay, keep tally. <laughs> we'll let out early if we get enough amens. Come on, somebody. Stop it. Stop it. The Lord rebuke them. What if God had a plan for you long before your mess up or your skipping out here and then skimming in this area of your life? And I think some of us have gotten through some things in our life just by the skin of our teeth, so to speak, right? I, I don't think God called you to live that way. God called you to live in abundance. A lot of people look at abundance like it has to be money. How many know abundance doesn't have to be just money? Right? Abundance could be abundant joy, abundant peace. Yes, abundant love. It could, be, it could be abundance of a lot of different things, but we often look at what we're feeling to dictate how somehow how God loves us. And that's just not true. I want us to dive into something right now because in this four-part series, Marked, we'll be talking about how each of us have been called by the Savior, and that's in fact my message title this morning, Called by the Savior, but marked. Marked is the beginning of this series, and I want us to understand that God has called you to do a specific job that is completely determined on what he did for you, not what you messed up in. Some of us think that somehow, because I messed up X, Y, Z, that because we messed up in that area, that now God's going to punish us and give us a different assignment that's going to be harder and somehow dictate how we are doing by what we did. And there's nothing in Scripture that tells us that now we will go through this because of what we did and that somehow our calling changed and that God changed our calling. We can change what we do by what we did. But God's hand upon you is not determined by your faults and failures. God's calling on your life is determined by what he did on the cross for you and for me. Somebody say amen to that one. Okay, I got everybody on board, I think, almost. But I want us to dive into what this first part of this series marked, Called by the Savior. And I want us to look for a moment, if you would, turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. Now, Matthew chapter 4, Jesus is on an assignment. He's doing something. How many know that God calls people to do something? 
He doesn't call you to sit and watch somebody else do something. He calls you to do something. And sometimes we don't know what that something is. My, my goal in these, next, in these next four part series to really uncover some things in your life. How many of you, look at me, how many of you in this room, you were young and you said, you know what, when I get older, I'm going to be, and you fill in the blank, right? Some of you said a lot of different things. I'll never forget one of my children said, I'm going to work at McDonald's <laughs> because they love the Happy Meal. They were like, I want to be happy all the time. <laughs> and that's great. You get a toy with it too. That's, a, that's absolutely awesome. I wish I got a toy with every meal. <laughs> By toy, I mean like an iPhone or an iPad. <laughs> that's my kind of toy, right? We all have toys. Don't even act like you don't. They're just more expensive toys. You got a drone. That's a toy. More expensive toy. By the way, I want to do something with that drone. That's fun stuff. Matthew chapter 4, we look at how Jesus is calling people. Now, he's calling people right where they are. He didn't go into the temple to say, I got to get 12 disciples. Let me go to the Sunday school class on Sunday and look at the 12 best people. Because that's what we would have done, right? Let's be honest. If you were going to start a ministry from the ground up and it's just you, God says, start a ministry, where would you go? Would you go to the park? Most of us wouldn't, right? Would you go to the bank? Would you go to, you wouldn't. You would find the place where those people are the strongest and get 12 strong people in that area and maybe they're, they're very different in what they do, right? And you say, I want someone that handles finances, someone that handles music, someone that handles, and I want to start this gathering. I want to get the best of the best. How many of you think, I'm going to start something, I want to get the worst of the worst? Because I want them to see how great we can become. No, we don't think that way, right? But Jesus was very different. He said, I'm going to find some people that this is not their strength and I'm going to build in them the strength because God-built strength is always better than man-built strength. Come on, that's good. Write it down. Write it down. Tweet it. Something. Update your status. God-built strength is always better than man-built strength. So he calls these men these disciples as we know them now, right? Who later became apostles. He calls them to do something great. And in chapter 4, Matthew chapter 4, he's, he's walking by the Sea of Galilee. Here in verse 18. And he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and his brother Andrew, casting a net into the sea. For they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of people. This is the New American Standard, so maybe a little different than yours. Verse 20, immediately they left their nets and followed him. They didn't ask if he had dental. They didn't ask if he covered, you know, what was the copay. They immediately followed him. My, my guess and many scholars guess as I was researching this, uh, uh, the guess was that many people already knew who he was. They just never realized that he might call them. Think about it that way, Right? They did not know who he was really. I suspect, and many sus scholars also suspect, that his, the, his name and his prestige was already known throughout the land. They understood that this was a man who was different. He was built differently than everybody else. He preached differently than everybody else. He was recognized differently than everybody else. So it wasn't just some random guy that's like, hey, follow me. They're like, sure, let's do it. That's kind, of, that's kind of how we see it, right? You see, here's the guys, they're boating, fishing, and all of a sudden there's this guy with a robe on, and he, he comes up to them like this, and he says, follow me. And they're like, sure, let me drop my nets and follow you. Person I don't know. That's not how, that's not how the scholars see it. They understand that there was a word that went out, and there was a buzz in the crowd. There was a buzz in the community. There was a buzz in the region of this man that was teaching, and his description had gone out. And when that very man shows up at their doorstep by way of boat, and he says, follow me. I'm going to make great things happen with you. All of a sudden, they're like, he's calling. When was the last time you got into the presence of God and you said, he actually loves me. 
he cares to speak to me. I need you to get that because the Lord and Savior of the universe wants to talk with you. He wants to commit himself to growing your life to glorify him. He's all invested in you. How do you know that, Pastor Tony? He died for you, didn't he? I would say that's an investment. Amen. He didn't die for someone to kind of give a halfway, let me see if I like the idea. When he died for you, he died so that you would have life everlasting. And not just that, life more abundantly. Somebody say amen. amen. I need you to hear this. Because going on from there, he saw two other brothers. Right? He got two now. He got two, right? He's got two now. You got to check off two. Check it off right there. Check off two. We got two now. We're looking for 10 more. And he saw two others. And we look at this in verse 21. Going from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in the boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets. And he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Guess what? Some of us are going to come out of our comfort zones in the next few weeks. And God's going to call you to do some things you never did before. Some of you are like, I'm not sure I want to do the rest of this series anymore. No, no, no. Let me tell you something. There's nothing like finding a sweet spot in Jesus. What is your calling except a sweet spot in the presence of God? Your calling is a sweet spot. It's where you were designed and created. Watch this now. Designed and created to walk in. My desire in these next several weeks is to bust out of the box that you put yourself in, that other people have put you in, that your, your past has put you in, that your, quote, talents or the lack thereof have put you in. You put yourself in this box and you somehow have said, only these things can I be. I'm 30, I'm 40, I'm 50, I'm, I'm in my prime. I'm 50 is the new 40, 40 is the new 30, 30 is the new 20. I don't care who you are. Listen, when you have a pulse, you have a purpose. And God is not done with you. Tap your neighbor real quick. Tell him God's not done with you. Come on, tell him. Tell him God's not done with you. Somebody needs to be reminded. So what does it mean? Let me, let me define this for you real quick. What does it mean to be marked? Because we're calling this series Marked, right? So let's define what marked is so that we know going forward. What are we talking about? When I say I'm marked, you'll be like, I know I'm marked. I got the scar. One time I was swimming. I ran into a something, you know, whatever that looks like. And like I'm marked. No, no, let's define what marked is and we move from there. So to be marked as it is, uh, we have some help here on the screen. Being a marked follower of Jesus, right? Being a marked follower of Jesus means we're called of God and we respond with ordering our lives around threes, these three primary purposes. Are you ready? Being with God. That's important. Raise your hand if that's important. Okay, I just want to hear. make sure you're listening. Being with God. Secondly, becoming like Jesus. Pretty important. Pretty important. And third, doing what Jesus did. And some of you are like, I can't do what Jesus did. Well, if you do the first two, the third will come as the Holy Spirit helps you. But if you jump right to three, you're going to be like, do what Jesus did. I, I'm not going to spit in my hands and rub in someone's eye. There was power that was there already before he could do that. And in the same way, whatever it is God is calling you to, he's calling you to something great. And that greatness starts within you. And that's what a marked believer is, a marked follower. is someone that has been called of God to respond by ordering their lives in this manner. Some of us are, are trying to understand why we're not feeling called or marked. And I suspect that maybe one of these areas in our lives are lacking. Maybe there's something in one of these three that you're like, man, I, I love being with God, but becoming like Jesus, I don't know what that looks like. And because I don't know what being like, becoming like Jesus was, I can't do what Jesus did. And so then you see how that falls apart? It's a house of cards. So what do we look at? We got to build a firm foundation, and here's what we're going to do. See, around the age of 30, Jesus began his public ministry. 
And when he did that, first he left Galilee and came to the Jordan River. And he was looking for John, and he did the first step of being obedient. He went and he got himself baptized. So he went to John, and John's like, wait, time out. You, you shouldn't be baptized. I, sh- I should be getting baptized by you. And what did Jesus say? You're right. No. He said, I must do this to fulfill righteousness, to walk in obedience. So he started by walking in obedience. How many of us would say, I can probably be a little more obedient in my faith walk? Yeah, some of us. Some of us that didn't raise your hand, you're like, I don't want nobody to see that I need to be right with Jesus. Or do we all do? I'll lift up two hands, make you feel better. But I think all of us, in some way, shape, or form, we need to be more like Jesus. And so, next, Jesus, then after he was baptized, he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, which I found strange when I first read it. Here, I got baptized, so what am I going to do? Let me walk into the wilderness now to be tempted. That doesn't mean that you get baptized and you're like, sweet daddy, now let's go to the bars. Let's go, to, let's go to some places where there's some things happening that maybe doesn't glorify God, right? Let me put myself in predicaments. No, no, he put himself where no other voices are there except the voice of the Father because you, res- you understand that every single time he was tempted by the enemy, he responded with the word of God. Did you know that? And did you know that every response that he had was all found in Deuteronomy? Every time Jesus responded was the word of God. Every time the enemy gave him this first temptation, he responded with a word from Deuteronomy. The second time he was tempted, he responded from a word from Deuteronomy. The third time he was tempted, he responded with a, with a word from Deuteronomy. Some scholars say he was probably reading Deuteronomy. The vast knowledge in that statement is profound. So after the wilderness, he didn't survive, he thrived, because God called us to, to not survive, but thrive. And some of you are like, I'll be happy just to survive, All right? But he returned from the wilderness, and he was full of the Holy Spirit, and he went into the synagogue, and that's when he read from the scroll of Isaiah, and he ticked off some people. He opened the scroll of Isaiah, read Isaiah, and then closed it, and then he said, today this prophecy is fulfilled in your ears. Everybody went, what? Is he saying what I think he's saying? Short answer, yeah. I am the Messiah. And then at that point, he skedaddled out of the, I don't know, did I just use the word skedaddle? Yeah. He, he skedaddled out of the temple. He got his way out of there. They didn't, they didn't harm him too badly. He got out. And he moved on. Why? Because you got to preach truth when you're coming out of temptations. You got to speak truth when you're coming out of temptations. And sometimes that means being honest with yourself, being honest with people around you. Maybe it means going to your spouse and saying, you know what? I'm going to tell you something, sweetheart. I've been so rude the last few weeks. And for that, I'm sorry. Maybe it means going to your children and say, you know, there's a lot of times I tell you, do as I say, not do as I do. And that's wrong. Because most things by your children are caught, not taught. Right? So enough with the do as I say, not say as I do. We got to be very careful because you're the chief discipler in your home. How many know the church is not the chief discipler? How many know the church is not the chief disciple? You are. You spend 100 plus, 160 plus hours with your children, not us. So you are the reason whether they come close to God or not. That's a scary thing. When I held my son for the very first time, I'll never forget that. I held him. I mean, he was just, he was just as, not too much bigger than this. And I held him with both my hands with tears streaming down my eyes thinking, I'm responsible for this? <laughs> this child? They're going to let me leave with this baby? I don't know what I'm doing. My wife was really good, but me, I'm not even sure. I could, no, listen, I learned how to swaddle real good. I practiced. I practiced a little bit. But when we were leaving the hospital, because they walk you out in the hospital, right? They wait till you get your child safely in the car, then they, they release you, right? I'm, I'm thinking to myself, when I, click the, I mean, when I click the thing in the car, I'm thinking to myself, oh my goodness, I have to drive with the baby in the car. I know how I drive. 
And I look back and she's like, have a great day and congratulations. I'm going, no, don't leave. Come back, let's try this again. And I remember I pulled out of the hospital so slow, so slow. I'm, I'm literally driving like six miles an hour in Williamsport. I'm like, hey, you're going too fast. I'm like screaming inside. Like outside, I'm trying to remain cool for my wife. But inside, I'm like, don't hit anything. Don't hit anyone. Don't hit anything. Don't hit anyone. The responsibility that we have was deep. And that particular responsibility that I had today was very deep. What am I talking about? I'm talking about you got to be able to speak things and understand the how, how important your words are and the things that you go through in your life are all helping you to this point so that you could become a marked follower of Jesus Christ. Jesus knew that he was marked and so because he knew he was marked as a doer of the Father's will, you realize that when Jesus spoke, he spoke the Father's business? How many are with me? He spoke the Father's will, right? Not, not necessarily his own. He, he, he spoke specifically. And you won't always have the backing of people around you. You know, he went about his business. Even in the temple, they might have liked him to the point where he read from Isaiah and then said, today this has been fulfilled in your ears. Now all of a sudden, Jesus is a heretic to some people. Sometimes you got to speak truth. And sometimes that truth hurts. So one day Jesus is walking by the Sea of Galilee and we just read what just happened, right? He saw Andrew and Peter and he said, follow me. And immediately they left their nets and Jesus continued walking along the sea and encountered another set of brothers, James and John, which, which some of them called them the sons of thunder. Why? Because they were like, if anybody opposes a call down lightning. And some people are very radical in their conversion. They want God to bring that lightning on everything that opposes God. So Jesus was showing grace upon them. So Jesus continued, and as he called his people, look at me, as he called his people to himself, he then took them under his wing, and he began to show them, it doesn't matter if you're a fisherman or a physician. When you're called to me, I'm going to make you great. doesn't matter where you've been. doesn't matter who you are. You're marked when you spend time with the Savior. As we follow Jesus, we realize that in every account throughout Scripture, the four Gospels account to different times where Jesus was calling people, regardless of their circumstance, regardless of their occupation, he called them. So the question today to you is, have you been holding out on God's call in your life because you think for some reason he doesn't want to use you? Because maybe you're to this, or maybe you're to that. I'm rough around the edges, Pastor Tony. I really need some more time. Rough around the edges, he needs that too. Did you ever meet Peter? Did you ever read about Peter? The guy spoke before he thought many times. But the Christian life, we have to realize that it has, has to do a lot with thankfulness. Because when I serve Jesus, I'm thankful for what he's done for me, and that helps me to serve him properly, right? How many are thankful for what Jesus has done for you, right? And so what we end up doing is we, if we serve God out of that thankfulness, something comes out of us that we never saw there, right? We're not looking at what is it going to cost me, how much time is it going to take, we serve God out of thankfulness because of what he's done for us. So I found this quote that I thought was really neat. It says this, the Christian life is characterized by an overflow of thankfulness. You can thank someone for what they've done, but you bargain with someone for, you, for what you want, uh, for what you want him to do. So when you serve God, you can serve God out of thankfulness. You say, God, I serve you because I'm thankful. But some people serve God with bargaining. Okay, I'll serve here if you recognize me. If you do this, then I'll bargain with you. I'll serve God here. I can, I'll serve, but I'll only serve this specific time, this specific place, and only this amount 
Okay, I get schedules. This is not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about schedules. I'm asking you to look at your heart condition, and if there are stipulations about serving God, then maybe there's some things that need to be getting right, getting, uh, some things that have to get right before you start serving. But nonetheless, look at me. Everyone with breath is called to serve in one way or another. Now listen, if you've just recently come to Jesus, there's no rush yet. You need to understand the heart of God. Now, if you've been a Christian for a year, now it's time to really start looking at your life and how you can start serving him. Because now you should be moving from milk to meat. But if you've been a Christian for five years and you're not serving, there's a heart, there's possibly a heart issue there. And maybe sin has been gotten in there, snuck in there a little bit, and you're like, I'm not worthy of doing it because I have this area of my life. Well, how do you fix that? Hello? address the sin expose that sin in your life why because truth exposes lies light exposes darkness don't sit on it don't sit on it and think somebody else will do it but really the calling of God is about being marked for something great I remember one time I was uh 16 years old when I first preached my first sermon. 16 years old. I was in a room. I was in the Bronx in New York City. And my pastors began to pour into me. My pastors began to kind of help me understand what living for Jesus looked like. And, and there came a youth Sunday where they had just the youth lead worship, just the youth preach and all these things. And they said, Tony, would you like to bring, share a scripture? And I'm like, Where? Like in front of the people, and I'm like, I I don't mind being in front of people. Since I was a kid, I've always wanted. I've always been the type that's the center of attention. I've always I was always the clown in class. I was always the one that was always cracking jokes, just because I love to see people laugh. That was my favorite thing to do. Right? I love to make people laugh. But now I was given this heavy responsibility of bringing God's word. That's different, right? That's different because it's not about me. And now they're saying, would you share the word? And I'm like, I don't know. Let me, can I think about it? Can I pray about it? Yeah. And so eventually I thought about it, prayed about it. I said, yeah, I'll bring the word. That morning I shared, my first message was out of Nehemiah. I'll never forget that. I preached out of Nehemiah, I shared, and I, I read out of this book. And I took a lot of the ideas from the book and I wrote them down. And I said, this is great. And I, and I prayed and I said, like, oh, that's a great idea. And I, and I took this message and I preached it. And I remember, I'll never forget, someone came up to me after service and looked at me and said, you have a calling on your life. And don't you forget it. First sermon, I'm like, no pressure. No pressure at all. And by the way, what's a calling? <laughs> you say, I have a call. What's that mean? I knew what it meant weeks and months later when I, I saw myself doing nothing but preaching the gospel. I wanted to only preach the gospel. That's all I wanted to do, bring life to dead things. And so what am I talking about? I'm talking about how I wanted to become what the Greek word called Mathetes, mathetes, which is, means learner or pupil. And I don't know if we had that up on the screen, but the Greek word for disciple is mathetes. And that means a learner. So at that point, I decided I wanted to be a learner, a pupil. And so I started studying. I started memorizing scripture. Let me ask you this question. Every eyeball here for a moment. Look at me. Let me tell you how important it is to learn scripture and memorize it. I took the back leaf of my Bible and I decided I'm going to find the 12 most important scriptures and I'm going to put them in the back leaf of my Bible so I have them at all times and I'm going to memorize them. And I memorize scriptures like Romans 3.23 for all that fought and short of the glory of God. And I learned a very famous John 3.16, right? And I learned Ephesians 2.8 and 9 that no man that, that is only the grace of God that saves us. No, no man can boast about it, right? It's only the grace of God that saves me. I learned these scriptures. Why? Because I wanted to become a pupil. I wanted to be called a, a follower of Jesus. That was more important than famous this guy or famous that guy. 
I wanted to be a disciple, a follower, a pupil of Jesus. And that's what helped me be marked. So maybe you're here today and you're saying, I don't know what my life uh, is called. I don't know what my life is about. I don't know what I'm called to do. I don't understand what exactly I'm supposed to do with my life. Well, you're in the right place because this series, we're going to begin to uncover that. And let's be honest, the world as we live it today, people really want to just promote themselves. Right? You look on Instagram and there are people promoting their own businesses and their own things. And that's great. That's part of you know, entrepreneurship, and we are okay with that. We're okay with people starting their own. In fact, that's an encouraging thing. Do that. You want to start your own business, do that. That's not what I'm talking about, though. Is the goal of your life money, fame, fortune, prestige? Because there's a lot of people with all those things that have no peace. Giant mansions, giant egos, and nothing to show for it in their faith. It's true, right? I've sat with people that have a boatload of money and they look at me and they go, I wish I could do what you do. And I think to myself, I wish I had a quarter of what you had in your bank account. <laughs> Just a quarter of it. But I'll never trade it for the world because the peace is priceless. The peace is priceless. So we don't, we don't have trouble cheering on those who are, are below us and maybe not as far along as we are, but when they start getting close to being uh, where we are or start passing us, then all of a sudden we have trouble cheering people on. When you get looked over for promotion and they get promoted, they got hired after you, then you're like, time out, this is not good. I can't cheer them on. When you remain faithful in the little, God will give you charge over much. You just do you the way God called you to do you. And watch him unfold the calling of God in your life. You start worrying about everybody else's grass. And you don't water yours. That's why the grass is greener. Because they concern themselves with their grass. And so mark people focus on the kingdom. Can I tell you something? If you focus on yourself, a lot of this stuff will just... It'll just fade away. But when you focus on the kingdom of God, things change. I like this quote I found by, um, by the, author, uh, the author Dallas Willard. And he said this, as Jesus' disciple, I am the apprentice in the kingdom living. I am learning from him how to lead my life in the kingdom of heaven, in the kingdom of the heavens, as he would lead my life if he were I. In other words, I want to live my life like he would through me. You follow that? Because it's kingdom focus. So let me share with this real quick. Number one, Mark people want to be with God. I said it earlier. Mark people want to be with God. Jesus chooses 12 disciples so that they might be with him. Mark chapter 3 verse 14. Jesus is calling people not to speculate or to spectate, but to be with him. Period. We want to make it more than it is. Marked people want to be with God. The very essence of following Christ is to imitate him, to be more like him, to, to forgive like he forgives, to love how he loves. That's hard. How I many you know some people are hard to love? Raise your hand real quick. Hard to love. Hard to love. Raise your hand if you're hard to love. Raise your hand if you're hard to love. Some of y'all got stumbled up real quick. You were like, yeah, wait, wait, tell me, what did he say? Sometimes you can be hard to love, right? Let's be honest. Sometimes I'm stubborn, sometimes I say the wrong things and I have to go say, forgive me, Lord, and forgive me, wifey, and forgive me, children. The more I spend time with God, the less and less I have to worry about doing that because I become more like him. Not perfect yet, not perfect yet, but we're working on that, amen? Pride is the opposite of humility, and pride gets the best of us, right? Pride can get the best of us. And sometimes God made, a, God made it so plain. And he says, just swallow your pride and follow me. And here are some skilled fishermen. Skilled fishermen dropped their nets to do something. He didn't even give them an assignment yet, but they said yes. The question is, at the end of this four-part series, are you going to say yes, even if you don't know what that is yet? Well, the, 
the goal is to get the heart right so that you're prepared to say yes when he says go or do or follow me here. Because some of us don't know what that calling is in our life. And some of us, some of us have been attending uh, uh, Freedom for some time and you're like, Lord, where do I fit in here? Listen, your family, we'll walk it with you. We'll walk it with you. How many know that's exciting? And you don't have to walk this walk alone. We'll walk it with you. But come with us. And in this next four weeks plus, you know, we're going to look at this four-part series and we're going to start saying, God, am I marked? The short answer is yes. God marked me the day he saved me. He marked me for a cause. It just took me some time to figure it out. And when that person looked at me and said, Tony, you're called to do something great. I'm like, I'm just this Puerto Rican from the Bronx. Like, I'm not sure what you're thinking, but okay. I don't know what that looked like. As time went on, I began to see how God's hand and favor was upon me. And God's hand of favor can be upon you if you just say yes. It's not about where you've been, but right now, are you willing to say yes? That's the big question. So Isaiah 57, 15 says, for this is what the Lord, excuse me, for this is what the high and lofty one says, he who lives forever, whose name is holy. I live in a high and holy place but also with him who is contrite and lowly in spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and revive the heart of the contrite. You know what he's saying here? He's saying God is high and lofty, but he desires to bring those up that are not so high and lofty. His desire is to use you to bring up the people that are not high and lofty, lowly and contrite, because you yourself were there. You know what makes it easy for me to to minister to people who are not Christians? Realize that I was once not a Christian? And talk to them like a human being and not use every single Christian word I could find and think that there's power in the Christian jargon and just say, I've been there. I struggle with that. You know, sometimes media is going to have to follow me a little bit here, but there are times in my life where I had to sit down with friends. See, I was converted in high school and uh, as I was converted in high school, there were some friends that were saying, Tony, let's go do this, let's go do that. And I would say, you know what? Nah, I'm good. I'm not going to do that. What? You were always down. But what I never told them was every time I did that before, even before I knew Jesus, I always never felt it was right. I just didn't have a reason. Something told me that's not okay. Something told me that's not all right. And so I would sit with them and I'd try to explain to them and they would be on the other side of me looking at me. You ever had somebody look at you like, like you got four heads? And they would look at me like this. And I would say, you don't understand because you're not me and what I'm feeling right now. There's something I'm going through in my life right now, a change that I can't explain to you. But there's somebody I met that's really changed my life. And they're like, what, what are you talking about? And I was like, I was this and I was feeling that and I was feeling this and I was feeling that. Like, whoa, that's what I'm feeling. And then all of a sudden I met Jesus. Oh, this is about God and stuff? I thought this was real. And I'm like, it's very real. And then all of a sudden it makes sense to them. It makes sense to them. And they start listening. Why? Because I talk to them right where they're at. Can I tell you something? God has called you to talk to people right where they're at. Stop thinking like you have to find the exact words. Open your mouth and let God speak through you. And sometimes that, those words that come out, come out because you're hanging out with the holy God. And his holiness has spilled over on you. So Isaiah 66, 2 says, this is the one I esteem. He who is humble and contrite in spirit. You know what he's saying? Those, the ones that I really hold up high are the ones that are humble and contrite. Those who have said God's word is more important than mine. Marked people want to be with God. Secondly, marked people want to become like Jesus. There's a lot of people that define what Jesus did in his life. Some say he was a lunatic. Some say he was a Lord. Some say that he was here, but he was just a teacher. Can I tell you something? In a lot of people's eyes, it doesn't matter. In my eyes, he was my savior. 
and that's how I operate. Everybody's going to have opinions. But the more and more I, 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 I realize that I'm marked to be used by him is the more and more I become like Jesus. When I start getting past the, my faults and failures, then I could realize that I'm used by him and for him. I like how Matthew 10 says this. Jesus said, it is enough for the disciples to be like his, it is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. You know what? If you can't be like Jesus, at least do your best to be like the person that is like Jesus closest to you. And start there. And work your way up. How many know you got to work your way up there? Because if you tell an unbeliever that just got saved, all right, vaya con Dios and be like Jesus. They're going to be like, what does that mean? Right? Go with God and be like Jesus. I don't know what that means. You know what that means? It means when I, got, when I came to Jesus, I started hanging out with people that are like Jesus. Not perfect, but like Jesus. And I started to see how my life can be changed by hanging around people that reflected Jesus. And then I move forward. So becoming like Jesus sometimes is hanging around the right people. The gospel is meant to be transformational, friends. It's meant to transform your life. And so the oldest passed away, the, all, all things become new. And what happens? We become marked followers of Jesus. So here's my third point. My third point is simply this. Marked people do what Jesus did. John 14, 12, here it is, you ready? Jesus made an astonishing statement. And here's what he said when he told his followers, truly, truly, I say to you, listen, whenever something starts truly, truly, it's true. And pay attention, pay attention, because it's truly, truly. When he said this, pay careful attention. Whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. What is he talking about? You will do greater things than Jesus because you have the Holy Spirit in you and it's been poured out. And guess what? When you have multiple people in a room full of the Holy Spirit, how many know something happens in that room? Something stirs in that room. Jesus was one man walking the earth full of the Holy Spirit 100% 100% God, 100% man walked this planet. When he died for you and he resurrected and he ascended to heaven, now it's no longer one man and using 12. God poured out his spirit upon everybody in that upper room and it went from 120 on. Greater things will you do. Why? Because the Holy Spirit has been poured out in a way that it was not poured out when the disciples walked with Jesus. Because Jesus, in a lot of ways, was that box. He was the carrier and representation of God on earth, right? How many follow me so far? Jesus was that box. When he died, that box was broken. And now is leaked out to all of us. And that same spirit is now working in and through every single one of us. Somebody praise God for that. Isn't that exciting? You have that. You are marked for a purpose. So Jesus invites us to be followers, and I'm going to begin to close here in just a moment. And he says, partner with me as I am doing great things in your life. Partner with me and watch me. Watch me work with you to do great things. See, this resurrected Jesus spoke these words to the disciple, and he says this in John 20, verse 21. Peace be with you as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. What is he saying? God sent me to handle the job. Now, I'm going to leave, but I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to give you all the tools that I have. I'm going to give them to you. Just wait in Jerusalem, and I'm going to give you all the tools you need. They waited in Jerusalem. Acts chapter 2, Holy Spirit poured out, Now, all of a sudden, Jesus alone is not the sole proprietor of representation of God on earth. Now, it's all of us. We represent him. How many ever felt pressure about that? I represent Jesus. Anybody ever felt pressure about that? Listen, can I release you of that? 
Because the more and more you, you're like Jesus, the less and less that becomes pressure. You just want to be like him, and that's okay. But you have to realize that number one, you got to be with God. Number two, become like Jesus. And number three, do what Jesus did. So, let me ask you this question. When was the last time you did something for someone that is not your family and expected nothing in return? Listen, these next few weeks, I'm going to give you something to work with every week. In order to be like Jesus, you got to do what Jesus did. So I'm asking you a question. When was the last time you did something for someone that can't repay you back? That you just did it expecting nothing in return? That's a great question, isn't it? And it steps on toes a little bit. That's okay. We'll let you, you know, process that information later, but... When was the last time you did something for someone that couldn't pay you back? Something happens when you help someone that can't return the favor. That's a heart check. Because some people do to get in return, right? Like a quick pro quo kind of situation. I scratch my back, you scratch mine. The kingdom of God is not like that. We don't, we don't spread the gospel that way. We don't spread the gospel saying, hey, if you give a certain amount, you're going to get a great seat right here. We're going to get you a seat. If you pay, your if you pay more than 10% of your time, we're going to get you a nice seat. It's going to be comfortable. It's going to be on the stage. We're going to bring you water, VIP. Backstage passes to meet the worship team. We'll go to the green room. There's croissants in there. Croissants. It's fancy bread, people. It's fancy bread. No. The kingdom doesn't think like that. Doesn't matter what seat you got. Everyone will stand before a seat one day and give an account to their lives. Every one of us. There's not a single one of us that are, that's exempt from that. And so we look at it and we think to ourselves, what am I doing to really further the kingdom of God. Ask yourself, what am I doing to further the kingdom of God? Well, I came to church today. Like my tie, I wore a tie today. You know, I'm, I'm good to go. I felt like a tie today. I'm good. Now I went to church, checked that off my list, got the tie, checked that off my list. I sang some songs to God, checked that off my list. Heard the word of God, checked that off my list. I gave, oh, checked that off my list. Now I'm holy. Not so much, right? Where's, where's the heart in this whole thing? Marked followers do more than just chores. They're not just about the assignment, but they don't exclude it. When we trust in Jesus, we become a new creation with a new spiritual identity. Your identity is not found in what you do or what you did. Your identity is found in who he is and who he's deemed you to be. So when we talk about marked, called by the Savior, do you realize that these men were not called to do what Jesus was asking them to do? Fishermen don't interact with people. They go out and throw nets. That's what they do. They catch fish. They clean them, they sell them, and they do it all over again. Catch, rinse, repeat. To be marked is to move out of your comfort zone. What we want to do here at Freedom is help you to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Pastor Tony, that doesn't sound like a great line to put in the front of your church. Freedom, come, come join us at Freedom where we are, our goal is to make you uncomfortable. That's not going to sell, right? But that, isn't that the heart of God? To shake us a little bit? But don't run from that shaking, because that shaking often is a reset. It's a reset. 
So realize that the marked Savior is marking you with his identity and his thumbprint in your life. Amen? Who's with me? The marked Savior. He was marked here. He was marked here. And he was marked right between his feet. Marked for you and for me. Those marks are leading us to this point where now we can stand before him and say, God, I need you desperately. So I'm going to ask you right where you're seated, whether you're at home right now, I'm going to ask you to listen to this one more quote. And this is Michael Heiser writes this. Salvation is a gift given to us by God when we believe the gospel. It is undeserved. Nevertheless, God offers it to us despite our sin and hostility toward him. Discipleship is something we do as a result of believing the gospel. We imitate Jesus to show our love for him and for God. Jesus was the ultimate imager of God. So we want to live the same way. Isn't that true? Let that be said of all of us today. That the reason why I want to be a learner, a pupil, a disciple of Jesus is because I'm marked. I'm marked because he was marked. And when he calls you, just say speak for your servant is listening. Amen. That's what happened with Samuel. Right? That's what happened there in 1 Samuel where he talk about uh, every single time he came up to, uh, he, came, he, said, he says, are you calling me? No, go back to bed. Are you calling me? No, go back to bed. Oh, wait a second. That's God calling the young man. Next time, say, speak for your servant is listening. May we be the same way every day of our life. Amen. I want to live marked. Who wants to live marked for him? I want to live marked for him. And we're going to be uncovering the next coming weeks. I'm excited. This is just, I'm just laying a foundation right now. I'm laying a foundation. I hope that you begin to grab a hold of this here today. As you are called. Look at me. You are called by the Savior to do great things. Bow your heads with me. Father, thank you that you've called us to do great things. It's in this place that we find our sweet spot. Salvation is a free gift. We get it. It doesn't cost us anything, but it costs you everything. Lord Jesus, I pray today that every single person at the sound of my voice would recognize who you are and submit themselves to you. May we ourselves decide to be with God, become like Jesus, and do what you did, O oh Lord Jesus Christ. That is our heart's desire in Jesus' name.